we're just excited for everything God's doing right now. And the one thing that I know that God is doing right now is he's bringing transformation. And being, trans, uh, being transformed is huge right now for the body of Christ. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have had, I know some of you have, but not all of you have been able to come to our classes that we have on Thursday nights. Um, that's, that's street, that's a, it's a key of strategy for our transformation right now. Um, the first one we did was uh, Battle of the Mind. The second one we did was uh, the warfare. It's the school of the spirit on warfare. But in our lives, we have different types of warfare. And it comes in different ways because the enemy tries to be real slick with us. And so if you have not come to our Thursday nights, go watch it on through the app. Go to the app and watch them. It will bring you lots of breakthrough. All this stuff you're battling in your mind, all this stuff you're battling in different areas of your life, it will help you if you go watch it. Um, this, is, uh, this is deposits from the Lord that the Lord has given us over the years. And we just want, our whole goal this season is, is to set the captives free, right? <laughs> Not just set you free in, in a natural salvation sense, but deceptive captives free in your mind, set you free in other areas that have still kept you bound. So if you have not come, come. We have it every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Invite those that have struggled. You know, just you get saved and you think, oh, if a person's saved, they don't struggle. No, sometimes they struggle even more because the enemy's after them for them not to have their salvation. So they want you to, the enemy wants you to go back to the old ways in your old life all the time. But that's not you anymore. You're a new creation. So <clears throat> these are just, uh, I always say, like tools for your belt to advance in the kingdom if who God called you to be. But today we're going to talk about being transformed through love. <clears throat> I believe, um, like, like I was saying, the, the enemies made people think for a very long time that they had to eat what the enemy serves up to them. For a really long time, <laughs> um, in their thoughts, that would lead them in deception. And right now the Lord's coming and he's opening the eyes of his bride to see how they really are supposed to see. He wants us to see and he wants us to hear more than he ever has right now. Um, so through that transformation, you know, I was, I was thinking of transformation this morning. And what was transformation for me in my life? And what did it look like? Because I, I didn't have, I didn't grow up in church like maybe some of you did. I wasn't going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. That was never my life. You know, my parents... They were Catholic. They would go drop me off at church and pick me up for my classes. <laughs> and that's as much as Jesus as I got. And then, and then I got mad after a while, and I was like, why are you dropping me off and you're not staying with me? What's up with this? <laughs> There's something wrong with this picture. <laughs> so uh, I don't want to be dropped off anymore, right? <laughs> and then I gave all my teachers a really hard time when I would go because I had all these questions for them. And they would get mad, and they would say I was too young to know the answers to those questions. 
And then I would get in the car really upset and say, why are you sending me here when they can't even help me with the, with, to answer the questions that I have? <laughs> so <laughs> that was my process when I was younger. But um, I just started looking at transformation and just seeing how the Lord transformed me. And in Romans 12, 2, it says um, about the meaning of transformation. It means a total change by the renewing of the mind. It's a complete change for the better, not conforming, but rather transforming, being changed into a new creation. You know, people read that and they think it has to do with sin. They think, oh, that's just about sin. You know, when I, I'm already saved, I have my salvation already. I've already given my life to the Lord. No, it's much deeper and bigger than that. Because to be changed into a new creation, you have to believe and you have to uh, being led by the Lord to be changed into your new creation. And nobody tells you that when you get saved. You know, I was 15 when I got saved, but I didn't really serve the Lord until I was much older, until I was like 19, 20 years old. Salvation, I received the Lord in my heart, and I, I really sincerely did. But as far as transformation and as far as becoming the new creation he wanted me to be didn't happen until I was much older because I didn't know how transformation worked. So, so uh, Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So I have some notes here, but I really, really want to speak from my heart this morning because these past two weeks, we've had a lot of death that we've had to from back home. And they weren't death of older people. They were youth. They were young adults that had died. And I started thinking about this in my own talks with the Lord. And even this morning, the Lord was like, this generation doesn't need a polished, perfect form of me. Of how we've discovered the Lord. And a lot of the times we come polished and looking good for others around us but that's not what's going to change this generation salvation alone isn't going to change this generation it is becoming the new creation is what's going to change them they have to go through a transformation but it's been presented to them wrong because it's been presented to them as you must do this, you must do that. It has to look this way. It has to be that way. It has to, uh, 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 it, don't embarrass us. <laughs> Let me shut down your creativity, the things God has put inside of you, the way that God speaks to you. No, that can't be God. And so we come with all these things to our young adults and our youth and it totally shuts them down. And it's been wrong because, you know, I remember my son, and <clears throat> I'll just be very transparent this morning. My son was about, I don't know, nine, 10 years old. And I was 
in Catholic Church. So you had to be quiet in Catholic Church. You couldn't move. You couldn't. I mean, if you made a noise, everybody would turn around and stare at you like you just committed the biggest sin of all. And so this is what I was brought up in. So my son one day, he had his little drawing pad and his pen, and he was sitting on his knees, and his pad was on the chair, and he was drawing. And I remember thinking in my mind, oh, my God, he's being disrespectful. We're in worship right now, and he's not in worship. So I told him, you need to get up, you need to close that book, put down the pen, and you need to come worship the Lord. And the Lord rebuked me. And he says, and so this person comes up to the front and releases this prophetic word. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's, yeah, that's so beautiful. I, you know, I could see that happening. And it was about a waterfall falling in our church and the Lord bringing refreshing. And, and when I went to my son's notepad, that's exactly what my son was drawing at that moment was the waterfall. And I was like, and the Lord told me, don't you ever stop the creation the creativity that I put in my son, because he belongs to me first, then he belongs to you. And don't ever stop him because it doesn't look like the way that you want it to look like. And your molding of your mind of how you were raised and how you were taught, because I'm doing something different. And it totally wrecked me that day. And I felt so bad for my son, because I never wanted to cloud up the creativity that my kids were called to for the Lord. And because I was taught in a religious mindset, I had to break those things of transformation in my mind that I couldn't be like that with my own kids because it was a whole totally different new generation. I believe a lot of the times we try to take those things that we were taught as kids and we try to implement them on a new generation that is built differently. And what it has done is it's caused their spirit to die. And, you know, this past Thursday we were talking about what a broken spirit looks like. And the Lord has really been on me about this broken spirit and this generation. And we cannot break their spirit any longer because they are dying are they saved? Yeah, they're saved. They know the Lord. They had their salvation. I'm pretty sure a lot of them went to heaven. These are kids that are believers. These are not kids that are roaming the streets on drugs. These are kids that are believers that are dying. This one youth walks in his apartment, found his girlfriend, committed suicide right there in front of his face. That is such trauma that they're seeing and they're going through. And it's great. You know, I was telling my husband this the other day, and I said, it's great that we get revelation. It's good that we have gifts. I get all that. But, you know, this generation needs real change. And the only way that's going to happen is if we go through the transformation ourselves before, so they can see us transformed before we can go out and tell them how to transform themselves. And when this transformation comes that we're trying to offer them, it can't come in a religious state of mind. It has to come a transformation of love. And I, and I remember, and I, I went back with the Lord these past two days, and I said, God, like, 
I was such a mess. I was in a very dark place in my life. How, how, did, how did I even get to where I'm at now? Like, take me back where it all started, where it all began, because that's where I need to go back to. Because I don't want to be a polished minister who looks good in front of people if I'm not bringing transformation and change to a generation. My flattery words, my revelation, the things from the heavens, the encounters, all of that will mean nothing if I haven't left a legacy for others to draw from that they can be transformed. And I, and I, I, that's where I just am burning right now for this generation. And um, I began to go with the Lord back to the beginning. And um, I, heard, I heard this minister one day, and it really broke my heart because it was during the holiday time. And I don't even know who it was. I just, it doesn't even matter. But I could tell by listening to the minister what kind of relationship they had with the Lord. Because they were talking about filthy rags and, and the Lord smelling their filth. And, and I was sitting there, and I remember looking at my husband, and I said, man, I said, thank God that I know the Lord already. Because if I didn't know the Lord, that would not encourage me to know the Lord. That would not get me to be in a relationship with a God or Jesus that sees me with filthy rags and I stink to him. Because that's not how he sees his children. And I started going back from the, to the beginning. And I remember I was so broken. My, my, my life was a mess. I, I was in a very dark place. And I would come to the altar because... See, in my eyes, I was Catholic, so I tried to do physically in the natural everything I could to get as close to Jesus as I could. So I was like, if I go up to the front of the church, I can be closer to him. I know it sounds silly, but that's how I thought. And I said, I'm going to go up to the front, and I'm just going to sit in the front, and I'm just going to be real with God. Nobody's real anymore with God. But he sees everything and he knows everything. And I remember going to the altar and being broken and I said, God, I'm a mess. I'm broken. Like there's nothing left in me that I want to live. I want to die. I don't want to be here anymore. All I have is this pain in my heart and this brokenness, and I'm dealing with all this happenings in my life, one thing after another, after another, after another, and it became too much for me. Sometimes we have to go to our lowest point in our lives before we can let him in. I said sometimes some of us have to be, go to that broken place so bad that that's where we go to him. Because when our life is okay and good, we won't go to him. So in our broken state, I went to him and I said, God, I said, you know, I'm a mess. And every time I went, the Lord began to reveal to me his love. He never sat there like people did 
and say what I was doing wrong or how I had messed up or how he was disappointed in me or how I, you know, I just can't look at you because you are filthy and a mess and you stink. No, he said, come closer to me. Come closer to me because I don't care what you look like. All I want is your heart right now. I don't care the mess you've been in. I don't care if the dark places you've been in. Just come closer to me because I'm going to accept you the way that you come. And people have not gotten to that point yet. They have misrepresented the heart of God when it comes to that. And I, and I just, and I remember going and I just, every time I came, I was embarrassed because I knew I wasn't living right for God. I knew I was making bad choices. And every time I came to the altar, I said, man, I said, he's going to reject me. He's going to turn his face away from me because how I was taught was that God turned his face from Jesus because he couldn't stand to see the 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 sins on him and I that was true that wasn't truth that was lies he couldn't stand to see his son suffering and being in pain and being beaten for all of us that's what he couldn't see because he loved his son and what good parent would want to see their kids in agony and pain and such distraught nobody does Nobody wants to see their son or their daughter in that kind of pain. That's why he turned his face. He didn't turn his face because, oh, he couldn't stand the sin. He knew about all the sin. He couldn't see his son and how he was represented with all the sins of the world on him that he was so beaten that you couldn't even tell what he looked like. And that's where it's been miscommunicated to us that we will stay in our sin and stay a mess and stay broken because we think God looks at us at a certain way when we have done something wrong. That we don't have the right to come up and be at the feet of Jesus because man has told us that we're too broken, we're too much of a mess. We, 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 we need some more work on before we can approach the Lord. And those are all lies. When we approach the Lord, he takes us the way that we are. A mess, broken, in darkness. However we come, he takes us. And every time I came, there was forgiveness for me. And he would say, it's okay. I know you messed up. I know... You've been doing some b bad things, I know. And then he says, but, but you can just dust yourself off. Just dust yourself off. And you can get back up again. And you can continue to serve me and to be with me. And I won't look at you any different. And every time he did that, I started realizing this whole thing I was taught all my life was all about man, and it was not about God and his heart. And I had been mis, misrepresented of who God was supposed to be. And that's why a lot of people, they'll, they'll go sin, and then they feel that 
oh, well, I already said I messed up. I'm not going back to church. I'm not having anything to do with God because I already blew it. I already did something wrong, and I already messed up. So now I can't go back to that place. No, come back to that place. Come closer to him in that time that you have failed or made a mistake because you need his love to come and heal and restore those bits and pieces inside of you that made you go do that very sin you just did. You can't be without him. So I just kept coming for months at a time and I would come and I would pour my heart to him and I would be transparent with him. And I said, man, I messed up again, Lord, man, I, I'm just, I'm just a mess all over again. Every week I had something different, right? They would do an altar call. I don't know, every single service and I would come running because I knew I wasn't perfect and I was very transparent with myself. I was like, I'm not perfect, Lord. I'll do whatever I have to do that I can be okay with you. But there was a moment in time when I was going to go up one day. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. And he says, it's not that I don't want you to go up there. But all you have to do is change the way you think. All you have to do is let me transform your mind on the way you think that you don't have to come up to the altar anymore. You can change the way you think, and then we can still have this relationship with each other. You don't have to come as a beggar anymore and come begging for a salvation that I died on the cross for any longer because you're my daughter. And, and the more that I learned how his love really worked, the more easier it was to turn from sin quicker. Because man will take you to all kinds of extents telling you about your sin. But God will come and he says, I know you've sinned. I see everything you do. I know everything you do. You can't hide nothing from the Lord. You can try to hide things from other people so other people don't know the real you. But you can't hide from God. And when I started to understand, man, I can't hide anything from you, Lord. You see everything. You know everything. So I'm just going to be totally transparent and just pour myself out to you because you know about it already. So why do I have to try to hide things like I'm this other person when I'm not? And the more that I had relationship with him and I came out and I poured myself on the Lord, the more he came to meet me there. <clears throat> he comes to take off our filthy rags. And he comes to dress us in our robes. And you can never get to a point where he won't want to be with you. People sometimes won't want to be with you, but God will always want to be with you. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
The new creation he's trying to create in you and me is letting go of the old. If we haven't let go of the old ways, the old sin, the old things that we're trying to do, then we, we won't become a new creation. Not because he didn't do enough for us in our sin, but it's because, it's because we are called for more than the sin that we've been sitting in. And he doesn't want us there anymore. He says, I see greatness. I see a great purpose and a destiny. So you don't have to take away the old stuff. Take away the old sin. Don't drink anymore. Don't smoke anymore. Don't do drugs anymore. Don't go to the clubs anymore. Whatever it is for whoever. Don't be prideful anymore because everybody has something different. None of us are perfect. Whatever it is, he's like, let me create you into a new creation. That's why I'm saying salvation is, is, yes, you come and you get to know the Lord and you get saved. But there's a transformation that he's trying to do to do the new creation inside of you. That means you shouldn't look the same. You shouldn't look, sound the same as you did when you first got saved. If you look and you sound the same way you did when you first got saved, there's something not right there. There should be, because the relationship between you and God, I'm not talking about knowing your scripture. Yes, learn the scripture. But when your spirit catches wind with what the scriptures say, and it becomes alive and real to your life, then that causes you to transform the very being who you used to be. And you can't take the old stuff into the new creation that he's causing you to be. As much as you want to, you can't because they both can't be there. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He's trying to give you something new in your transformation, in becoming your new creation. Ezekiel 36 through 26, I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Son, sin makes your heart harden. It really does. And you don't mean for that to happen. But it happens because, some, because the Holy Spirit inside of you from being saved is telling you you're not okay. And then you're like, well, I don't want to feel any, I don't want to feel that I'm not okay anymore. So I'm going to harden my heart where I don't feel nothing anymore. But he's like, no, you're a new creation. I'm going to come give you a new heart with a new spirit that I put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He wants you to feel. It's okay to come to him weeping and crying and broken. I think so many times pride steps in on us and we have to pretend like we're this perfect person when we're not. And, and, and I've just tried my life in my life to keep it real with God. If I'm struggling with something, I just come to him and said, man, I'm struggling with this, Lord. Like, I need your help in this. I, I don't try to pretend that I'm somebody of a facade in front of even people when I'm not okay sometimes. Yeah. 
This morning I got up and I got dressed and I went to start the vehicle and it didn't start. And I sat there and I was like, I knew the time I had to get here. And I just sat there and I was like, like, <laughs> in the natural, there's no reason why my truck shouldn't have started this morning. We just used it yesterday or last night. But I sat there and I had my door open. And the Lord began to speak to me. And I felt this wind brush on my face. That's why when Peter started singing this morning and the worship team started singing this morning, it's just like sometimes you're further than my skin. Sometimes you're like the wind. And I sat there this morning and the Lord said, I just needed a minute of your time. And I just began to feel the wind come hit my face. And I began to hear the birds chirping and the trees rustling. And I just said, God, thank you for being here with me. None of this of what I do is not about me. It's about him. And I just sat there and I just breathed in the presence of the Lord. Because we can never get to a point in our lives where we don't need him. After several times of coming up to the altar and just pouring myself out on the Lord and just being real with him, I started having these encounters of the crucifixion. I had always been shown the crucifixion as God took the beatings, he was on the cross, and that was it. I was never taught about his resurrection or what it looked like after the beating came. That they taught it in scripture, but they didn't embed it into our spirit. That we had an understanding that even though you're broken, even though you come and you're beaten in areas of your life, that there is a part that comes upon you in your life through the transformation that there's another side of the cross that speaks of resurrection. I had to go through a process of dying to myself of what I wanted to do in my own will in my life so I could encounter the real crucifixion of what it really meant. I had to cross over and say, Man, he didn't just die on the cross, and that was the end of the story, because that will leave you mourning. That will leave you sad and in a broken state like, man, he died, and that was the end of the story. That's what I was taught. And then when I started having these encounters of the crucifixion, I was like, wait a minute, he didn't die. There was a to be continued in the story, and I just needed to flip the page and say, oh, my God, there was resurrection that he went through, too. And that's the other side of the cross. And I was like, man, if God could resurrect after he was broken and beaten, why can't we resurrect? Why can't the dead things in us that he's put inside of us resurrect and come alive again? 
And I started to understand what the cross really meant and how valuable the blood that he shed for us was, that it was done in love, not because he had to or because somebody made him do it like religion does. It's because he chose to love us so much that he took the sins of the entire world on him because of this great love he had for humanity. And I was like, my God, like you took everything on you at that moment and guess what? It's so it wouldn't be recorded in heaven, our mistakes. So many people have had encounters with heaven. <clears throat> and there's records that are kept in heaven of our life, of things we've done. They even say, like, even the stones on our crowns, we begin to collect the stones for our crowns that we're supposed to have in heaven. And I've read all these different views and all these different things from different people that have encountered heaven and it <laughs> and it's so good because as I was as I was thinking of all these things that people had said about heaven and how this even works I was like my god you keep no record of our wrong in heaven people keep record of our wrong but every person that's ever encountered heaven keeps no record of our wrong. One person had an encounter and, and, and saw um, Abraham's life and what he, the bad choice he made with his wife in unbelief that Sarah would produce an heir. It wasn't recorded. David falling the way he did. He's known to be after God's own heart. It wasn't recorded in heaven, his mistake he made. It doesn't mean that it didn't happen. But the Lord's blood and his cross is so powerful that it eradicated everything that these disciples went through in their place of error and their place of mistakes that they're not recorded. It's man that makes you think in religion that, oh, God is looking down on you. He knows what you're doing. He's recording everything and writing everything down. No, that's a lie. And how he sees you is, man, this is my child. This is my son. This is my daughter. Oh, my God, they're beautiful to me. When have you ever looked at your son and daughter and didn't think they were the most amazing thing in the world? I'm not talking about when you're mad at them. <laughs> but your babies, when they were born, they were the most beautiful thing to you. When you saw them come into the world, you were like, oh my God, they're gorgeous, they're beautiful. Look at their face, look at their feet, look at their little hands. That's what the Lord thinks about us. When you wake up in the morning, he's like, oh, my God. She woke up this morning. He woke up this morning. Man, what are we going to do together today? What are we going to do together for the kingdom? And he's all excited that you woke up and you took a breath this morning. And he's like, man, what do we got, what do we got planned today? What are we going to do together in our walk together? 
He's not there saying, standing at your bed and saying, yeah, you messed up again. You really blew it this time. He's excited to see you and talk to you. The enemy has done a number on us that in our mistakes, he doesn't want to talk to us. He doesn't want to see us. That's a lie. No matter whether our kids are doing right or wrong, we still want to see them and hear from them. Even if they're a mess, we want to hear from them and see from them. If we haven't displayed that heart of the Father to our kids, then we need to reexamine ourselves. Because you should want to see your kids, whether they're in darkness or in light. Because that's how the Lord is with us. Whether we're in our darkest moments or we're in the light and fullness of, of, of our ministries, he's like, I just want to see you. I just want to hear your voice. I want to talk to you. Philippians 3, 10 through 11. And I continuously long to know the wonders of Jesus and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. I will be one with him in his sufferings and become like him in his death. Only then will I be able to experience complete oneness with him in his resurrection from the realm of death. I continuously long to know the wonders of Jesus. If your mind is too clogged up with knowledge, it sometimes will stop you from knowing the wonders of Jesus. Because then you'll always have this mindset, oh, well, I know the word and I know what's right and what's wrong. And it becomes a stumbling block for you. Because then you take out grace and mercy, what the cross was supposed to represent to be. And you pull from your place of knowledge instead of the wonder of who he is and what he did. And it's a whole different stream. John 18, 36, Jesus looked at Pilate and he said, the royal power of my kingdom, Ram, doesn't come from this world. If it did, then my followers would be fighting to the end to defend me from the Jewish leaders. My kingdom realm authority is not from this realm. It's not from this world. If you're looking to fulfill your life with something, it's not going to be in this world. It's going to be in him. And you will go on looking for things to give you quick satisfactions and quick things in your life and you'll never be completely fulfilled because only he can fulfill you we were talking about getting filled this morning he does the filling in us and only him because if if it comes from the world it's not gonna last they're quick moments of just satisfaction to your soul in a soulish area that it's not gonna be good for you Galatians 2.20, my own identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer lives. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed lives, his life through me, we live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. That's being filled. 
that he dispensed his life into each one of us. My old identity has been co-crucified. You leave it at the cross. And you don't go back for it. We live in union as one. That sounds like a marriage to me. We live as one. My marriage in the natural cannot be successful unless I'm married to him first. Unless he becomes first in my life, my marriage in the natural, my relationships here on earth will not be anything unless I have him first in my life. Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things that are above and not, are, not on things that are on this earth. If we're not from this world, like he said, he wasn't from this world. We are his kids, so that means we're not of this world. Then we can't take part in the things of this world either. We can't take part in the things of the earth. We have to set our mind on things above from heaven and from him. We can't look at things in a natural mindset anymore. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world and the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever, abiding with him. See, you're ne you were never meant to partake of the junk you're partaking of, some of you. The deception, the lies, convincing yourself that it's okay to do what you're doing. Those are things of the world. He didn't die on the cross and go through all that so you could partake of the, that junk and that mess. Those things that are going to be bad for you. He gave his life up because he loved you so much that you and me would have a better life. That we could be free. If there's still a struggle in your life, then you're not free. There's still something there that's holding you bound. And God's like, man, you have to get to know me. You have to have a relationship, me and you. You got to just be transparent with me and tell me how you really feel. And, and come and pour yourself out to me and your talks with me. So I can come in and you can open the door for me. And he's already standing at the door. He's waiting for you to open it up so he can come in and he can help you with your struggle. But it's still up to us whether or not we open that door. Sometimes we just have to be sick of the very thing that is making us sick. I was sick of being depressed. I was sick of not knowing you know, back then, they would tell you to your face, if you die today, do you know where you're going? I didn't even understand the fullness of that. It just scared the mess out of me. And I was like, 
I, I don't even know what that means, but you're telling me if that if I die today, where am I going? I, I really had to go take that to the Lord, and I said, God, I don't know where I'll go because I didn't know that there was a heaven and that was another world that I could be a part of that was not of this world. I didn't know that part. So when the Lord revealed it to me, by me pouring myself out to him in my sin, in my troubles, in that hardened place of my heart, then he started revealing pieces and bits of heaven to me that it became real to me. And then I was like, man, I don't want to wait till I die to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven when I'm alive and I can feel and I can smell and I can have all the all the five uh, the five things of the of to feel and to smell and to feel his love and all of it manifesting on me. I don't want want to wait till I die. See, because as quick as we were to jump on the things of the world as as quick as we should be to jump on the things of the Lord. People would hand us drinks and things to smoke, and we didn't even know what the heck they were. Just being transparent. We didn't know what was put in them. We don't know who made them. We don't know how strong they were, how not strong they were. We just took them like nothing. And we ingested them. And God says, but you have a hard time with me trying to teach you to be a new creation who you were originally called to be in relationship with me and you, you have a hard time with that part. But yet when the world came to you looking all pretty and good and made you feel a certain way, you had no problem just taking it and grabbing it. But now that I came in love to you, you won't take it. Why? Because you feel unworthy of his love? That's the biggest thing the enemy will use against you when you're coming out of a place of the world. You're not worthy. That's the devil. That is not the Lord. I wish somebody would have told me that years ago when I was struggling and I kept battling this thing back and forth with sinning and, and God loving me and God didn't love me. And sometimes I was like with the flower, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. And the Lord's like, no, I love you, period. There is no if not. That's what the world has demonstrated love to us. Sometimes they love you, sometimes they don't love you. And it's okay if the world doesn't love you. You weren't meant to be loved by the world. You were meant to be loved by Christ. That his love never departs from you. He takes you as you are. Who does that? People won't do that. I promise you that. But he does. 1 John 3.24, for all who obey his commands find their lives joint in union with him, and he lives and flourishes in them. We know and have proof that he constantly lives and flourishes in us by the spirit that he has given us. When you got saved, you have a Holy Spirit inside of you. And when you want to do something that's of the world, 
that thing inside of you tells you every single time, you shouldn't be doing this. It's not good for you. It's bad. And you have a choice at that moment, whether you want to continue to do that or you want to just get rid of it. It's not till you get sick of that thing that you begin to shut that door and say, man, I'm so sick of being miserable. I'm so sick of the enemy using this very one thing against me every single time I want to come close to God. This has been the struggle. This is the one thing that has caused me a separation between me and the Lord when there's no separation. But in your mind, the enemy's coming and playing with your mind. And he's saying, well, because you do this, because you think this way, because you've opened this door over here, and this and this and that, and it'll give you a whole list of things that you're doing at that moment, you have a choice. And he's like, I died for you to become a new creation. I died so you could be transformed in your mind daily. Why does it say we have to be renewed in our mind daily? Because every day the devil's going to come and tempt you and want to break you and your weaknesses. So every day you have to renew your mind and say, God, I just renew my mind right now. That you renew it with your thoughts. Not the thoughts of the world, not the thoughts of how man thinks of me or looks at me, but your thoughts fill my mind. And what, however the enemy's coming in your life in different times, you have every right to shut that thing down. You have every right to say, man, that's not you, God. You love me. We're in a love relationship together. No person in your life will ever have enough love the way the Lord does for you. I don't care how perfect they are in your life. I don't care if they never hurt you before in your life. You trust the Lord with all your heart because he loves you that much. We are coming in a time with this transformation he's trying to teach people right now through the Holy Spirit that you get to a place where there's no more pain. There's no more agony anymore. There's no more the enemy has to use on you anymore. You eventually get to a place where you don't have those issues and those things messing with you anymore. And I know some of you may have a moment right now that you're having a struggle in your life, but it will come to an end. If you agree with the Holy Spirit to cause it to come to an end, it will come to an end. This too shall pass. Whatever you're going through, it will pass. Not because, not because you surrender it to God. Your biggest obstacle is yourself of not surrendering it to him. Every time I came to the altar, I had to surrender it to him. I had to surrender my husband. I had to surrender my kids. I had to surrender every part of what I was carrying, what the battle was for me at that moment. I had to come and lay it at the altar and surrender it to him because the enemy was using it against me to cause me to fall every single time. And I got tired of falling. And I was like, I'm not going to fall for those lies anymore. 
It's the same darn. And then I started seeing my family and how they deal with some of the same stuff. And I was like, no, we got to make the change and be the change and transformation with the Lord. Because if we don't, the generation that comes after us will have the same issues and problems. So if that encourages you to change for the next generation, then you do it for the next generation. Somebody in your family has to stand up and break those things of past sins and past things and understand that there is breakthrough God will give you in your life that you no longer have to battle those things anymore. The things of the old are gone, and you are made into a new creation. They're gone. It is finished. He says it at the cross. But if you keep entertaining it and keep feeding that thing, that thing becomes bigger than you can handle, and it will overtake your life. You're completely transformed in resurrection. That things become become alive of who you have always been called to be. You were not called to be in an addiction. You were not called to be an alcoholic. You were not called to live in anxiety and be depressed. Those none of those were your callings. You were not called to be in lust, be in pornography. Those none of those were your calling. You were called to be the new creation and be free from every part of sin that the enemy has brought to your door. Let's stand up this afternoon. You know, I started thinking about these youth that I had in my life and they got to see a lot of the Lord and what he did and I went to the Lord with it and I said God what happened and I really feel when we stop being real and we put on this facade of perfection that we lose the kids and the young adults of this generation Because none of us are perfect. We all have our own insecurities and our own battles inside. So I'm I'm trying to keep it real so real transformation can come. Because you can get saved and go to church every Wednesday and Sunday or Thursday and Sunday and never be transformed. But until love comes through the door of your life, Real love, not religion, but real love of the Father comes in the door. That you buckle to your knees because love has come in the door. And get rid of your pride and come into humility to say, man, I surrender it all to you, Lord. I don't even care what I look like anymore. As long as I'm with you. As long as I'm so close to you and I have you in my life because you're the director of my story. You're the one who wrote my story. 
why not receive in relationship the one who created you to be a new creation? Don't you want to feel like what it feels to really be free? That there's no battle in your mind anymore. There's no struggle anymore. That's why the kids are killing themselves. Because they think that if they die, that it takes away the hurt and the pain and the struggles of their life. But it really doesn't. Because when I tried to do it, the hordes of hell came for me. Darkness came for me, not any. And then the Lord came in in his light to come save me. And I wasn't even saved. I wasn't even saved, but he was the writer of my story. And he knew what I was going to do with my life. And he says, no, I can't let this one go. Because one day, one day, this person is going to know me in such a way that the hordes of hell can't come after them anymore. One day they're going to know why I died for them. And the true meaning of the cross of resurrection power that is God's trying to do in each of us right now. To resurrect, not resurrect the old things, but to resurrect the new creation he created you to be. So if you have something this afternoon that you need to leave in this altar, then leave it. Pour it out to him. Pour it out to the Father and let him battle it for you and let him war for you and let him come and take away those things from you. Let him do it because you haven't done a good job doing it yourself. I didn't do a good job trying to do it by myself. We need him. So you come up in whatever it is. If it's anxiety, God, I leave it at your altar. If it's an addiction, God, I leave it at your altar. If it's depression, God, I leave it at your altar. God, that you would do a work in me. Make me the new creation that you you died on the cross for, Lord. That the person who you created inside of me can begin to resurrect. There's a resurrection he's trying to do this afternoon with each of you. And he's trying to resurrect the new creation. And it's nothing you and I have to do. It's what he did on the cross already for you and me. You just have to agree with it. And say, man, I want to be the new creation, Jesus. (laughs) Let love come in and touch you. Because I promise he won't see you as a disappointment or unworthy. He'll see you as his son and daughter. And he won't turn his face because the sin you've been in or because the mess you've been in is too much for him. No, he just doesn't want his son and daughter to struggle with things anymore. He doesn't want you to labor anymore. And the things in the natural for something in the spirit he's already done. He's like, just come lay it at my feet. There's nothing that we can do that'll separate us from the love of God. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, 
when he was crucified on the cross, he went to the cross. But not only was he nailed to the cross, we were nailed to the cross with him. He didn't just go for us. He went as us. And when he resurrected, we were made whole and we were made new. You know, and it's real important that we understand that because the Lord loves us so much. Uh, He loves us so much that he would send his only son for you and I. That his mercies are new every morning. And I need to say this because there's such an importance in what I'm about to say. Yesterday I was looking at our, our online through our app and all that. We had over 199,000, almost 200,000 impressions of people watching our media here. And that means that there's people that are watching. And not just for the people that are in here, because we can look and we can like, oh, we all know Jesus, maybe, maybe we don't. But I want to give an opportunity right now. If there's anybody in this room that will say, I don't know Jesus, like the way you guys are talking about. All you know is a a religious Bible thumping. God is angry because God's not angry at you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he would have you here today. You watching today, right now, you're watching. He loves you. If there's anybody in here that would say, I just, I want to know this Jesus. We want to pray with you today. Is there anybody here that would just raise your hand and say, I want to know Jesus today. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to, to become a member of a church. But if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, would you raise your hand? Because I want to pray with you. Okay, for those that are watching, if this is you, we want to pray with you. And even now, you have a church family here in Northwest Ohio that is praying with you and agreeing with you And if you could just say this, because I just want you to grab it. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe you rose on the third day. And today I I surrender my life. I repent of my sins. Make me clean. Make me whole. And come into my heart. If you said that right now, today's a brand new day. And I want you to write us and let us know. You see, that's more powerful than any miracle. Any healing. That's more powerful than the, than the dead being raised. <laughs> if there's anybody else in here that would say, I want to I wanna know Jesus like that. 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you just come and stand over here. Maybe you're embarrassed or whatever. I don't, don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Today could be your day. Amen. We're going to worship. We're going to bring the lights down. If you feel you, you're, you're dismissed, please leave. But I want to give, a, I want to give an opportunity for somebody who, who wants to know Jesus. Please come and stand over here. We're going to pray.